0: We are so excited about kids uh, around here. C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author, once said, kids are not a distraction from the main thing. They are the main thing. Amen? Amen. Uh, They are a priority around here. They are not the future of the church. They are the church right now here today. And we are so thankful for them. We have three main goals uh, when it comes to kids, whether that's our Hope Kids program, whether it's the preschool during the week, or we have a program called Whiz Kids on Thursday nights, which reaches out to a lot of kids. Believe it or not, there are thousands of kids uh, in our neighborhood, in the Oak Ridge neighborhood here as well, that don't get proper meals, uh, that maybe don't have Uh, a lot of parents uh, or supervision uh, in the home, and they're alone a lot. They come from difficult financial and family backgrounds, and we serve them every single uh, Thursday night as well. And so any of those programs, regardless of what we're doing with our kids, we have three main goals. Uh, The first one is that they would be safe, uh, both physically safe but also spiritually safe where they know that they can come and learn in a grace filled environment they're not going to be picked on they're not going to be bullied so number one that they're safe number two that they are going to have a blast they are going to have so much fun there is a reason that you're going to see a lot of kids skipping into church this morning and skipping out of church and we want it to be that way we want them to love God's house as they sang about this morning and last but not least most importantly that everything we do for kids is laser focused on Jesus Christ. We want them to have a blast and we want them to do it in Jesus' name because the best thing, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, uh, grandparents, the best thing that we can give our kids, the best thing that you can give our kids is a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we exist as a church. Yeah, absolutely. And whether that's yeah, whether that's here, uh, we, we, can, we can come alongside what you're doing, but you are the primary spiritual influences in your kids' uh, uh, lives. And so as you go home today, we want to uh, ask you and, and challenge you to talk with them about what they learned today. We're gonna, your kids are all going to go home with a Hope at Home sheet today, and it gives you written out questions. You don't even have to think of them or on your own. They're questions that you can continue to ask your kids, because just as important as what they're experiencing in Hope Kids right now is a mom and dad, is grandparents that are living out their faith every single day. That's what's going to make faith stick for generations to come. So we want to encourage you with that as well. But one of the reasons that we get the kids up here on a regular basis is because they have a lot to teach us. And I'm going to remember for those of you that are over there. I'm going to try to stay on this side of the stage so everybody uh, can see and can make eye contact back there. One of the reasons that we get these kids up here on a regular basis is not because we have anything to teach them. It's because they have so much to teach us. Kids have this amazing ability to be open and receptive to God. They have this amazing ability to stand in awe of God, to a way of seeing the world with no limitations, to what God is capable of. It was a few months ago as the summer months uh, were wrapping up. We were getting home as a family. Our two kiddos were up here. They're three and five uh, as well. And so we were getting home late. It was already dark. It was past their bedtime. And we're piling out of the van and bringing them out. And and I get Caleb, our five-year-old, and I take him out. And he just kind of looks up at the sky. And he goes, Daddy, look. And I go, what? And he's just like, whoa. And I look up and I realize I don't know if the kid's seen stars before. He's had a deprived childhood, and this might be the first time that he's really looked at stars, because it's always past their bedtime. And so we're getting him to bed late. He's like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. Look at all those. Those are the stars. And he's like, I know. There's so many of them. And I go, do you know who made all those? And he goes, God did. I'm like, that's right. God is so cool, isn't he? Wow. And then I look at him, and I go, buddy, do you know that God has all of that, all the stars and the planets and all the galaxies, that the God holds them, God is so big that he holds them in his hands. And he's just looking up and then it's like silence. I'm like, normally he's just talking. I'm like, you okay, what's going on? And I'm just, what are you thinking about? And he goes, daddy, those must be some big hands, he said. <laughs> and in that moment, I remember thinking, oh, buddy, never lose that. Never lose that because you can just kind of go, "Ah, oh, that's cute and everything. Or you can say, where does that go? When you and I become adults and we become grown up, productive, very serious adults, when's the last time you stood in awe of God? When's the last time you went, wow? When's the last time that you stood in awe of God's power? When's the last time that you just stood in awe of who God is with, with, with awe and wonder and how big and powerful that God is? is where might you be underestimating the power of God today that's what I want to talk to you about today is the power of God everybody say power oh I've seen you at football games you're louder than that say power. power power all right awesome power of course it's easy to think about God's power in terms of flinging the stars into place or making mountains or a big thunderstorm but when's the last time you considered God's power how big he is how big of a God do you have When's the last time you consider that? Is God in your, in your box of your agenda and your plan or your, your, your social stances or your political affiliation? Does God have to fit in that box? Does God come to you on your terms? Or this morning, I want to challenge you, what would it look like to let God come to you on his terms, to be who he is, this big, all-powerful God? We think about God's power manifested in creation, but when's the last time you thought about God's power to change your circumstances? of whatever you might be up against. Some of you walked into church this morning and you're like, I'm gonna see my kids sing and it'll be great and I'll suffer through a sermon and then I'll go home. What if God had something to say to you this morning? What if God's power that we are gonna read about in our scripture today actually had something to do with your life right now here today and with what you're experiencing? When's the last time you considered God's power to, 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 uh, to change your marriage to rescue a marriage that's on the rocks, to help you with your parenting, the power to bring healing to a family member, to handle anything that might come your way. When's the last time you considered that God might just be powerful enough to take a heart of apathy towards this whole church thing or some experience that you've had with church in the past, that God might just be powerful enough to turn a cold heart, an apathetic heart, and a heart of stone to a heart that's soft and receptive to receive what God might want to say to you today? We come with a lot of assumptions of church and religion and Jesus and what this whole thing is about, and that's why a lot of times it's not a priority in our lives. And I think a lot of it has to do not with our busyness, not with our schedule. We've forgotten how powerful God is and who he is, the most dangerous thing that we could do is underestimate the power of God and limit what he's like in our hearts and our minds. And nobody knows what it's like to limit the power of God more than Pharaoh and the Egyptians that we heard about in our scripture reading. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Exodus 14, whether it's the one uh, here in the worship center, take as many as you want. That's what they're for, to give them away. It's our gift to you. Uh, It's on page 55. If you're in that Bible or your Bible apps, you can take those out Uh, as well. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. It's in the Old Testament, in the front half of your Bible. It's the second book. So Genesis, Exodus, right after that as well. So if you got it on your phone, you can read it on your Bible app. And if you're going to tweet, tweet about the sermon. That's my encouragement to you. So... We are in the middle of a sermon series called Which Way to the Promised Land, and we've been learning about the story of the Exodus and the central character of Moses, who's called by God to rescue God's people out of Egypt. And we learned last week that after 10 plagues, God finally changes the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh realizes how powerful God is. Again, everybody say power. How? Oh, there you know you're awake. All right. That's awesome. How powerful God is, and as we pick up the story today, God's people are fleeing Egypt, and they're moving towards the promised land, but they're going to come up against an obstacle. It's a giant sea. It's the Red Sea, and they can't go anywhere. They've got the sea in front of them, and there's no way that they're going to cross that, and then what they realize is that Pharaoh has changed his mind, and Pharaoh's 600 chariots are bearing down on them, and in case you think this is a small group of people, historians will say there was probably 600,000 fighting men which means that that was just men over 20. That's what they counted in those days. And so if you add in young men, uh, the elderly, women, and children, we're talking about historians will say possibly 2 million people that are just walking down the street. They're just walking through the wilderness, and there's nowhere for them to go until God shows up with his power and does the impossible. We've been watching some clips from the film Prince of Egypt, which follows the story as well. And sometimes it's good to see the Bible come to life. Watch what happens when God shows up and does the impossible to make a way for his people. Let's take a look. Can you imagine being there that day (laughs) and what that would have been like? Sometimes I think we just read these Bible stories and I go, yeah, yeah, I get it, you know, Charlton Heston and the whole, you know, staff thing. Seen that, been there, done that, right? Can you imagine what it would have been like to experience that? And I would think that maybe for a short time, At least we know because the rest of the Old Testament, God's people go back and they forget what God has done. But for a short time, I would imagine that every single Israelite said to themselves, okay, God, I'll never doubt you again. Anybody ever done that in your life? God, just get me through this. God, please help the Cyclones win and I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life, right? I'll do anything, right? I would imagine that's what it was like for the Israelites as well. God, just get us through this. And I'll never complain again. Well, then you read the rest of the Old Testament, and that's what it is. Now, it'd be easy to get lost in the magnitude of the miracle of this story. This is a mountaintop experience for the Israelites. But I think why it's so important for us not just to pay attention to the miracle today, but what led up to it is this, is this reality. You and I long for the mountaintops of life, but life is lived in the valleys, isn't it? Life is lived a lot in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the in-between the in of life. And so I believe that there's incredible lessons that you and I can learn leading up to this miracle. And so we're going to hit the rewind button on our Bible remote control a little bit, and we're going to go backwards in the story. Before all that happened, before the big moment of Exodus, before the miracle, what can we learn about God's people as they relate to us for everyday life? And we pick up the story in chapter 14, verse 16. 10. If you're following along in your Bibles, chapter 14, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked. Everybody say panic. panic. They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses. Now, it's really helpful to not just read this in a monotone, you know, Bible voice. It's really helpful to uh, read it as, um, as kind of well a five-year-old that's having a meltdown, okay? So, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It would be easier to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And now, I don't know if it might just be me because we have young kids, but I cannot help But read this and go, there is an Israelite meltdown of toddler proportions happening right here in the wilderness. You know what I'm saying? Anybody, parents of of any age, kids, you remember meltdowns? Raise your hand if you remember meltdowns. If you're in the middle of it right now, God bless you. You're here. Praise God. You made it to church. Amen. Uh, We're really glad that you're here. It's a meltdown. But Now, to give the Israelites a little bit of slack, if we were being pursued by a giant army, you'd probably be freaking out. Too, but don't forget the context of this moment. It had been, we don't not sure how long it was from when they left to when they reached the Red Sea, but think about this. God had just literally rescued them from centuries of generational slavery. He had saved their lives during the Passover that we talked about last week, where the blood of the spotless lamb was spilled on the doorposts, and God rescued them, and, and that whole amazing moment that took place last week. And here, at the first sign of freedom, and then the first pain, the first obstacle, the first difficulty that they experience, they freak out. They panic. Why? Because here's what I want you to hear this morning. It was their default. It was their default reaction to the difficulties of life. Because when you're a slave, your default posture towards life is what? Fear. It it, it runs and controls your entire life. Fear of punishment fear of death, and fear of the future. This was the narrative that they had chosen to live by. If anything is going to happen, it's probably God out to get us. The narrative is God's not in control, God's not going to take care of us, and I can't trust God to provide. You ever lived in that story? Some of you might be stuck in that right now and doubting God in that way. And I want to ask you, just like the Israelites, what is your default reaction when obstacles come your way? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, sometimes the way that we respond to life is no different than an unbeliever that doesn't know that we have this God that has literally split seas for his people. So what is your reaction when difficulties come your way? What story do you believe? Let's get really practical. Your car breaks down and you have this unexpected $1,000 payment that fits nowhere in your monthly budget. Your boss comes to you on Friday afternoon and says, just so you know, we're going to have another round of layoffs next week. Your spouse comes to you and says, I don't know if we can live together anymore. You have a really busy week and your spouse is out of town for traveling for work and your child gets sick. What's your default Reaction. When another decision is made in Washington, DC that just rattles your cage, if an election doesn't go the way that you hope and your candidate doesn't win, you're scrolling through your feed and you find another act of violence in our cities and in our schools. How do you respond? Let's get really practical for a second, because the Bible is really practical. (laughs) And it is it's not some ancient book that sits on our shelf at home and we look at it and go, that's cute. This is life. And it is so much to say to us. The first thing that we learn about God's power is that it teaches us not to fear. It teaches us not to be afraid. Watch how Moses responds. Back to the story. Moses has every right to just go off, right? Parents, do you ever feel that? Your kid's having a meltdown and every ounce of you just wants to go, why? You have no idea how ungrateful you are, right? I'm sure Moses is feeling the exact same way, but it's not how he responds. Verse 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And then let's read verse 14 in the Hawkeye gold up there today, (laughs) conveniently. Let's read that together. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. If there was a verse written for parents of young children, behold, that is it right there. The Lord will fight for you. Just stay calm. Moses reminds me of this strong, calm parent. I think about those moments uh, in our own lives as parents when our kids are freaking out and they're rolling on the floor and they are having a meltdown. If for some reason you ever had it in your mind that pastors are perfect and that we live in this, you know, perfect, uh, uh, we're up on a pedestal and everything's perfect and our kids are perfect and they always behave. Literally last week as church is ending, right on the front doormat of uh, the church here. That same little punk five-year-old, my son, Mr. Caleb, that had this great theological statement about the power of God and the stars is having a literal meltdown in front of the entire church. Maybe you missed it. I didn't, I was there trying to uh, control it and he is yelling, I never get to do what I want. And then this was the best one. It's hard not to laugh sometimes. You want to have, You wanna have compassion, but I'm never ever going to get to play with toys again. Probably not because we're terrible parents and you live in a slave labor camp, so you're never going to... No, I'm just kidding. And I'm just thinking, it sounds a lot like the Israelites. Who says the Bible isn't practical, right? When I'm at my best, when I'm still an imperfect parent, when I stay calm, I'm able to stay calm and cool and confident and look at him and say, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way, Caleb. And why am I able to remain calm? Because I know the end of the story because has his good and most of the time loving father that cares for him, I know that the circumstances that he's in right now are not going to last forever. And God, your father, needs you to hear that this morning as well. Some of you are up against it, and you're in the middle of it, Right now, I, I have this confidence to stay calm, and your father does as well. That's exactly what God is like. I know that things are going to work out. I know that you are afraid. I, 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 but don't you see that I know what's up ahead? That you're going to make it. Be still and don't fear. There is a command that God gives three hundred and sixty-five times in the Bible. You want to know what it is? Don't be afraid. Three hundred and sixty-five times, conveniently and not cheesy. Conveniently. One for every single day of the year. Do not be afraid. One of the most famous passages in all of scripture, God says to Moses' protege later on in this story, to Joshua, you've probably heard it before, chapter one, verse nine, let's read it together. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that, something in me rises to Joshua's defense, right? I can't help it, this is John, talking now just me as regular old john i feel afraid a lot don't you as a young parent there's a lot to feel afraid of in the world that we live in and the climate we live in. there's a lot of things that we can be afraid of and give way to fear i feel discouraged as a normal broken sinful human being i get discouraged a lot don't you but here's what i love about this passage <laughs> what god is saying to you today is just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to be afraid just because you feel discouraged doesn't mean you have to be discouraged. Just be, because you have fear doesn't mean that fear has to have you. And the difference is, what controls you? What do you let control you? Your fear or the power of God? Who gets to decide how, what decisions you make? And your attitude and your posture as you go into every single day. Is fear telling you what story to live? Or is your good and loving, powerful father? And so the question is, in those moments when you and I feel discouraged, when we feel afraid, in those Red Sea moments, when we're staring at fear in front of us and fear behind us and fear all around, and there's discouragement, is our first response to turn to God as Moses does? Or is it kind of a last-ditch effort? Anybody kind of do your prayer life like this? I've asked everybody on Facebook. I took a poll on Twitter. I asked my friends. Nothing's working. I tried really hard. Oh, yeah, I should probably pray about that. Right? Anybody? Maybe that's just me. All right. It's a last ditch effort. God says, right away. What's your reaction? What is your default? You go to God right away. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6: Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. What if we actually did that? What if it wasn't just like cute Bible verse to stick on a magnet on my fridge? what if we did it? What if we lived that way? Not perfect all the time, but what if we lived that way? Sometimes we can get so discouraged because we are, you and I are just little kids at heart and we go around in our lives in these adult outfits trying to look important like we have it all together, but deep down inside, you know that you don't and you don't have to have it all together at Lutheran Church of Hope. Let me say that. It is okay to not be okay. You can come just as you are And God knows we are those little kids that walk around saying, come on, come on, change my circumstances. I I can't do anything. It reminds me of this commercial that came out several years ago, and this is not a promotional for Volkswagen, but it's a commercial. And God speaks through commercials. Came out when the Star Wars movies were kind of getting revamped a few years ago. It's called Little Vader. And as you watch this commercial, think about maybe I'm like this little kid that's trying to make everything work. And behind the scenes, my dad has the power. Take a look. Isn't that not just the best? Don't you love his reaction? I didn't know that had the power, right? And the best part of the whole thing is the dad's reaction. I got it. Right? Maybe this is back when remote starts were cool. I know that's not cool anymore, but the kid's reaction is like, where did that come from? I cannot think of a better picture of you and I going around in our lives saying, come on, God, fix my marriage. My kids are out of control. My budget's out of whack. Help this relationship. Whatever it is. And we're, come on. We're a bunch of little Vaders. And behind the scenes, our Heavenly Father's saying, I've had the power the whole time. Why don't you ask me? Don't be anxious about any, anything. Pray about everything. We stare at our circumstances all day long, and God says, I have. The power, come to me. You're not alone in this. Some of you need to hear that. Moms and dads, you are not alone in this. Christian, you have an all-powerful God that still splits the seas. And when we come to God, then we're able to move forward and do the second thing that power does. It calms our fears. And number two, it allows us to move forward in courage. We go back to the story to verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I love how practical God is sometimes. We think that God's going to talk to us in some big, booming King James version of the Bible voice or something. You know, thou shalt move to Hawaii or something like that. (laughs) Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God just comes to you and says, I think you need to get off the couch. I think you need to get off your seat. And I think you need to get moving. And maybe he's saying that to some of you this morning as well, to live in courage, because here's the thing, the opposite of fear isn't never being afraid. The opposite of fear is living with courage, because we know of the God that's in our lives. At this point in the story, Moses and the Israelites have no idea how God is going to help them. But here's the thing, don't let, this is what we learned from Moses, don't let what you can't see or what you don't have today keep you from being obedient to what God's already called you to do. Don't let what you don't have or what you can't see in the future keep you be- from being obedient and putting one step in front of the other saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to make it through another week. I don't know how this is going to work out with my job or with my kids or whatever it is, but I'm going to put one foot in front of the other because I know that you still split the C's. Don't let what you don't have or what you can't see keep you from being obedient today. Maybe God's calling you to lead a life group and step out in leadership. And here's the thing. God says to us this morning, if I can, I, the God of the universe, can split an entire sea in two so two million people can walk across in safety and then close it back up when your enemy pursues you, I think I can equip you to lead a life group. Okay? I think I can lead you, to, to equip you to lead six or eight other people and love them well in your living room. I can split the sea. I can certainly equip you to do whatever. You and I, I don't know what you're up against this morning, but we all have these red sea moments. God says, just keep walking and I'll provide the way. It's about God's power in place of our fear. And if you think about it, that is the story of us as a church. Some of you are new to hope and that's great. We love new people at Hope. We're expecting you. (laughs) Like I said, we've been praying for you in those very chairs or those stools that you're sitting in right now. We love that you're here. We exist for people that are not here yet. We have been praying for you. And yet the story of this church is Red Sea moment after Red Sea moment of going, okay, God, we're going to set up and tear down in an elementary school at Hubble Elementary where we met for six or seven years. Every single week, everything we have fits in a trailer. God, how are we going to do this? I don't know if I can keep up. Every Sunday, it was a two-shirt Sunday. I'd bring one shirt to sweat through when we set up and another shirt to preach in. It wasn't always easy. And then we... Get this car dealership. How are we going to make a car dealership a church? And are we, going to, are we going to be able to provide for it financially and with volunteers? And God continues to provide over and over and over. And in a way, we're right back at that beach again. A lot of you know this. Some of you don't know it if you've been around. But we're getting ready to hopefully purchase and renovate an additional building that's directly to our north here to support their continued and growing ministry and mission and we're so excited, and already God's providing and making a way. Last weekend, we had our, uh, our congregational meeting. We do that once every decade around here because we don't really like meetings. We would rather be on mission than have meetings as a church, uh, but we have meetings when they're important, and this one was important, and my word, did you show up. It was awesome. We had a great meeting, and we voted on doing this campaign to raise funds for the purchase and build out of this building uh this fall and it was it was so fun to hear this unanimous vote even my three-year-old daughter evie yelled yay so she counts uh as well and it was unanimous and it was awesome and i don't want to just thank you for being here today and for your support and and your financial support that's great that's awesome and that is completely up to you and god as guilt-free pressure-free giving but what i want to thank you for and encourage you as a church that i am so grateful for you i am thankful for your passion for our mission as a church There are so many things that the church can be divided on, but the Jesus that unites us will always be bigger and stronger than the issues that can divide us, amen? And I am so thankful that you continue to be a mission-minded church that puts the mission of Jesus out front, that you know that we have this powerful God, that nothing is gonna stop him, nothing. There's no reason that God can't take a car dealership or a former insurance building and build his kingdom right here in the middle of Des Moines. I am so thankful that you have one heartbeat as a church. And when you voted and you said, yay, something in me just rose up and said, I love this church. I love you so much and I am so thankful for you. There's so many different things that we could get lost in and distracted. But our mission is way too important as a church to get distracted by the minor things. We got to focus on the majors. And that's that Jesus Christ changes lives. That's why we exist as a church. That's why we're doing this giving campaign. And so the support and the encouragement and the emails and the text messages and all that that you've sent this week has been awesome. And I want to thank you for that. And we will need your help. Absolutely, we will need your help. Some of you have asked that. So what's next? What's next? So what's next? We want to encourage you to come back. Starting the weekend of October 27th and 28th through November 17th and 18th, which will be Commitment Weekend, we are going to have a Jesus party, a.k.a. a giving campaign. And some of you are like, seriously, church and money, I'm out of here, right? I want to challenge you to put your assumptions and the myths and maybe the bad experiences that you've had with church and money and let God change your heart. Let him challenge you on this to see your time and your talent and your treasure in a brand new way. I like to think about it this way. Not so much as a, hey, here's a giving campaign or something like that. I think like to think of it as Lutheran Church of Hope, as we continue to grow, is that God is just sending this wave of his Holy Spirit. And so I really thought about naming the campaign. Instead of the campaign is named Building to a Hope Beyond, I thought about naming the campaign Surf's Up to grab your surfboard and say, I don't know what God's up to. We know it's not about us because we're just not that good and we're just not that smart, but we're going to ride the wave of God's Holy Spirit, just like this wave that he created, the Red Sea, and we're going to take it wherever God wants to take us. And we're going to be faithful with that. And so what we're going to do in this campaign is we're going to gather. We have three goals. We're going to gather, we're going to grow, and we're going to give. We're going to gather in weekly worship. We want to encourage you to come back every week. We're going to have a few surprises along the way. We're gonna gather in neighborhood open houses all over the metro area because we've got people all over the metro. And finally, we're going to give and we're gonna learn to give out of the joyful and generous heart with zero guilt and zero pressure to be a part of what God is doing. God is changing lives and everybody's gonna be a part of this. The kids are gonna bring their tithes and offerings. Our student ministry is gonna be a part of this. Revive, our young adult ministry for 20-somethings is gonna be a part of this as well but I will be honest. I can stand up here and sound really confident and like I have it all together and we just, we're Lutheran Church of Hope, so we got it all figured out. (laughs) There's a lot of unknowns and we don't know how it's all gonna turn out. But here's what we do know. Just like the Israelites, we cannot live paralyzed by fear. We cannot stay here. When they're facing the Red Sea, like we have to move forward. God has to make a way and if he doesn't make a way, I don't know what's gonna happen and I feel the exact same way. I am not an expert fundraiser. I have not been one and I never hope to be one. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God that knows that we have a father that still splits the sea. And I wanna follow him and I wanna be faithful to him. God's power teaches us not to be afraid to move forward with courage and finally it reminds us of our identity. And what's really easy to forget in the midst of all this growth and all this ministry and everything is that when God's people were in Egypt as slaves, they were still children of God. Some of you are in the middle of something right now. And you are doubting that God understands. You are doubting that God, (laughs) you're doubting who you are. You are a son or daughter of God. We just forget sometimes, and when we do, when fear overtakes us, inside of us, or the fear in the world around us, or what fills the news, the answer when fear comes our way isn't to avoid it. It's not to be consumed by it or even just think positive thoughts. The answer to when you and I are faced with fear in our lives is to remember who we are, that we are no longer slaves to fear, but we are children of God. Not just the cute kids up here. Every single one of us is a child of God. We are no longer slaves to fear. As John, 1 John 4 puts it, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And you are perfectly loved this morning by Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you on the cross. There is no fear in love, and you have it this morning. It's guaranteed, and Jesus is offering to you that kind of life this morning. There's a song that we've sung around here quite a bit that Jed and the team are gonna lead us in as we close, as we respond to this good news of Jesus Christ. Before we do, I want you to watch a quick video about the story behind this song. Jonathan and Melissa Helzer wrote this song out of their own experience. And maybe as they talk about the story, you'll resonate as well and think, you know what? I'm a slave to fear, but I don't have to be. And God is splitting the sea before you this morning to make a way. Let's watch together. There's two ways to see the Bible. Number one, it's a story. Or it's my story. It's our story. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. So let's respond to God together, every single one of us. Let's stand on up and let's declare this as we sing together. No longer slaves.